Hello and welcome to the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast shares these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy today's episode. My name is Rich Schmidt. Uh, we're here with Sterling Witted of Holden Wine Company. We're at his Hello. home in Sheridan. It's August 11th, 2020. Sterling, so thanks so much for joining us today. Of course. So first question for you today, and kind of most important for our purposes, is mm-hmm. why wine? You know, it's really crazy. Um, it's a lot of just falling into it. Um, I loved to cook. Um, that's what I wanted to do. And um, I was working at Whole Foods Market and college at the cheese counter and uh, graduated and they made me their wine buyer and I got into wine. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, talk about college first, I guess. Uh, did you go to college with, with the wine and food in mind? No. Um, in fact, like, I wanted to go to culinary school real bad. My folks were like, nah, no. Nah. Um, and so I studied Italian in college. Um, and then, you know, was always was always drawn. Mm-hmm. Was always drawn to it. So got back into it. So you mentioned you working working at Juice Counter, and all of a sudden you're a wine buyer. How does that happen? And then what is kind of what kind of goes into being a wine buyer? It, you, know, you know, I just try to bust my ass, and uh, and worked the Cheese Counter and said, hey, I'm I'm interested in wine. I don't know anything about it. You know, I used to drink like Shiraz from Australia when I was 21. You know. And, uh, and, you know, they fired their wine buyer. And I was like, hey, I kind of want this job. And I think that they were just kind of like, well, we've seen that you've, that you've worked hard and, and, and we'll put you in that position at a, re- at a, at a pretty young age. Um, so they did. And that was really my first sort of intro to wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really amazing because I got taste all the time and and and, and it was I was I was young for that experience and um, you know and there still is no why wine you know like there's there's no answer f- to that question for me um, in fact that is a, a, an intrinsic and implicit question every day you know it's like why wine why why <laughs> why didn't you become a lawyer <laughs> you know um, but there is so many, so many very beautiful aspects of the industry um, that that have just always kept me there. You know. Um, yeah. You mentioned not really knowing anything about wine and, and sort of kind of going into this job. So tell me about learning wine and about what you and kind of how you set out to learn it and what you learned about it that, that made you excited to keep learning more. Um. So. Let me try and think. So, um, I guess it's 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 just this juxtaposition between the cultural, the cultural side of things and the scientific side of things, and um, and that's what I I, I I sort of love and and always find uh, just new discoveries within within both of those 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 ways of thinking, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so. Um, you know, when I first started, wine was like, I like to drink and it's like, cool, like, I'm learn how to make alcohol, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and, 
when I was working for Whole Foods, I started working at Owen Row as well. Um, and that was really the, the, the craziest sort of experience, not the craziest experience, but the most, the most sort of like founding keystone experience that I've had, um, was, was I was working full time, Whole Foods as a wine buyer, tasting all the time. I was, uh, um, going to Chemeketa, uh, in their winemaking program. And I was working at Whole Foods, or I was working at Owen Rowe at the same time. So it was just this chaos, you know. It, but it was awesome because I was like mopping the floors, being a part of the, you know, of of a, of a harvest team while I was learning the science of it at night, and then while I was working full time and tasting during the day. And um, that was that really like brought things into this like very full circle circle perspective where where, you know, I'd learn about pretanomyces and then I taste pretanomyces and you know, and then mop you know, and clean so we don't get pretanomyces <laughs> you know. Or whatever. Like, you know, and and your your views change over time and they're flexible and you know. So yeah. So as you as you kind of get into it, tell me about the, sort of your next steps. And do you have a at this point do you have a vision of what you want to do, or are you just still just kind of feeling it out? Both, you know. Um, I think here at this property, uh, the goal is to have a a working farm. You know, we want to have animals and, um, you know, and and be sort of closed closed off and and have a working circuit you know working life circuit um and that's the goal here um and it's always changing it's always changing um and so yeah in terms in terms of goals i mean you know i want to have vines out there <laughs> you know i want to have uh um uh, cool grape varieties planted, not cool, but just just things that I think would would work out here and and um, and things that have inspired me in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, Petite Ravine is really the grape that I that I want to ha to plant here. Um, I think that you know, in terms of being in Valle d'Alsta and the climate there, it, it's 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 not directly analogous because they have. Uh, a more of a Mediterranean climate, but I think it's probably the closest we can get here. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So take me through the kind of journey between sort of that and then and now. So you you've, you've gotten started. You're you're seeing all parts of the industry, like you say, sort of doing it and also learning about it and also learning the scientific part of it. Right. Tell me about the next step at that point and and what you wanted to do at that point. Say that again. Next next step. You're you're at Owen Row. You're working at World. You're working at Whole Foods. You're taking classes. Mm -hmm. like at what point? At what point do you sort of see like what you want to do in the future? And, and where do you where do you take the next step from there? You know, I wish that I thought about things in that perspective a little bit more. <laughs> but really, it just felt like chaos. And and um, uh, you know, it's weird. Like I studied Italian in college, and I studied business in college, and then I studied chemistry and, and winemaking after that. Um, and so it, it would seem to be framed fairly logically that I would want to work with Italian varietals and make
make wine, right, in Oregon. But it never felt like that. Um, and so, um, you know, everything, the next steps were always just organic. They were just like, what, what could I do? You know, like it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a conscious, like, I'm going to make Nebbiolo an organ, mm-hmm. you know, it was like a, it was a, a movement within, you know, your general sense of reality within your day, you know, like, um, and that was, and that's it. Um, you know, just working with the people that, you know, and, and, and progressing and that's, and that, that really was, that's all, you know. Tell us about some of the travels you, you went on and, and sort of how that inspired kind of what you were going to do next. Yeah, so I've had a couple cool, really, really awesome travel experiences. Um, I went to the Republic of Georgia um, and I went to, um, to Northern Italy. And, um, you know, <laughs> I got a bit about me. Like I, uh, I wrecked my car um, and totaled it and I got like 12 grand. Um, and I was studying for the certified quartermaster or something. And I was like, cool. I just got $12,000. I can either get on a plane right now and go to Italy, or I can like take this master's or not master some, the certified, um, mm-hmm. uh, some exam. Now I was like, fuck it. I'm getting on a plane, you know? And, uh, and so I, uh, I emailed, basically every producer that I've ever looked up to um, um, to see if they would teach me or see if they, if I could learn something from them, you know, and surprisingly, like all of them got back, or so many of them got back to me. And if they, if, if they couldn't meet, they were like, sorry, I'm going to be in France or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a really, really, really amazing experience. I was, I, I got to go to like Hermes Pavese in, in Val d'Aosta. I got to, hang out with Sasha Radekhan at, um, in Gorizia and, um, you know, like Isabella and, uh, at Arpepe and, and all these just very, very amazing experiences and people that were very forthcoming with their knowledge and with their, um, with their time. Um, I mean, it was fun. Um, and that was, that was, Like I said, like it's always felt like chaos, right? Um, and so I was just like in a little Fiat 500, you know, just visiting these producers that in my mind, it's like going to like playing guitar, you know, going to go see Jimi Hendrix in, in my mind, you know, um, and turns out they're just normal people, you know, um, that have a particular way of doing things in, in their region and it's it's all very simple and and sort of that accumula- accumulation of knowledge like um me I'm like, I was like in in those days I was like classes like notepad you know like um I want to learn like how do you think about phenolics how do you think about you know, all these things you know and uh And it's not that they, it's not, it's not that they don't, you know what I mean? Um, but it's, that's, that's where it started, started to kind of like snowball and domino effect into this point where you realize like, 
with whatever sort of scientific perspective that you that you that you may have it it it, it sort of culminates into this like cultural thing right and it, and uh, that's a really interesting thing if you go to to Valdez or you go to 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 Alto Aj or you go to Friuli um that it's so it's everything's so ingrained within that specific culture and I think that that's that's that was a really important uh, uh, impetus for a, a further lesson that I had mm-hmm. um, um, and then I went to Georgia and that was like that's when I realized that I didn't understand wine at all and then like six months after that I, I started to feel like I started to, to, to get the concept of wine um, and that was crazy that was a crazy experience what do you say that what do you mean what do you mean you didn't understand wine at all you know I mean like it's it's the same it, it, I don't know how to necessarily describe this uh, um, there's a there's a, a metaphysical component um, absolutely, there is something that is a beyond a, a, a necessary truth or necessary truths with wine, um, and and that's and you can't just figure that out. You have to be a part of it, right? Um, and and that's the thing, you know. It's like you go to school for an, for enology, right? You learn about pH, tartaric acid, all the all the shit, right? All the all the things you need to learn about a functional thing. It's just it's it's the same thing as, as learning how to play music. Like, you know, you learn your flat seven chords, or you learn whatever, right? Um, and and that sort of that that that, that moment where you realize that, like, um, cool. Well, no matter how technical something can be. If it doesn't speak or make people feel like they're home, they're part of a community, like they're in love, or, or any of those things, like that, it's 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 nothing. It's not it's not a, it's 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 nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Georgia was for me, and it, and it took me six months after Georgia um, to realize that uh, fully, because you know I was like I don't know, I was like 27 or 28 or something like that, and. Um, and I was uh, living with a winemaker who recently passed away. Um, um, and, you know, winemaking there is not, it's not a conscious, it's not a, how do I describe? It's not thought of in the sense of what you're doing to the wine. It's just a part of life there. <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just, it's just a part of life, you know. Like, and everybody makes wine. Like, there are Georgian winemakers who make enough wine to get it to the United States, but like, everybody makes wine there. It's a, it's a part of life there. And, and I think that that, ultimately, like, I was like, well, like, at that, at that point in my life, I was a little bit more science-driven, and I wanted to ask those questions. And that was the real big sort of lesson that I had 
to take away was 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 how wine can be cultural and be in implicit and in, in intrinsic to um, to a family or to a society and 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 so relevant culturally mm -hmm. and that's and that that became the most important thing after that after that sort of realization mm -hmm. you know um, everything became less about the scientific aspect and more about the community um, friendship aspect mm -hmm. um, and that was really a stark moment when it you know when you had that and honestly I was like what like you know you're not like thinking about like all the phenolics with your orange wines and your amphoras you know and uh, and 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 you know they're not but it's cultural and um, and that that movement was really powerful for me mm -hmm. but it took like six months after I left Georgia to, to really get that at that point was was making wine something you had you were hoping to do or planning to do or had you started at that point or it, what, this what, is like mid mid Holden okay yeah so yeah. tell me about starting let's go back and start Holden then yeah. and, and tell me about starting it versus kind of coming back from that and what what changed about how you made wine and how you kind of approached your your, your trade right so um, I mean I started quixotically I started um, you know just kind of like bad out of hell like young and and it was during the recession in 2009 right or 2010 like right right about then um, and it's weird at that particular moment in time I had just finished winemaking school I had, I had I just wanted to do something for myself mm -hmm. so badly. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, rephrase. This is okay. Um, so take me back, sort of um, starting holding. Let's, let's just right. focus on that. So, so, starting so holding. yeah, so I worked harvest for free um, to use winemaking space and, 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 and cashed out five grand um, that I had from a retirement account that I started when I was in high school. Probably the dumbest move I've ever made in my whole life. Um, and bought my first few tons of fruit and just like, you know, worked for free to use the space. And it was crazy, uh, you know, because um, I had a, I still had a night job, right? So I had a night job and I was working harvest and I was starting my label and it was just, it was just bananas. You know, so at that point, everything was like perfunctory, like, not perfunctory, but pragmatic. Um, and just got through stuff, mm -hmm. got through everything, mm -hmm. you know. And that was, you know, that was the 11 that we had earlier. And, mm -hmm. and, um, um, and then, yeah, I mean, I just, I guess I just continued to try and learn, like, um, I don't know, does that answer your question? I feel like that was... It does. I'm, I'm curious about what's, you mentioned kind of what you work for free, you get some space, you buy some grapes. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, let's, let's go back to the name then. Tell me about the name and kind of what your initial kind of goal was. You, you, you start Holden, you call it Holden, and, and you right. have, what, what, do you, what do you see for the future? What are you hoping at that point? What's going to happen with Holden? Man, I was 26, you know? I'm 36 now. <laughs> you know? It's, 
different thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I, I thought about the name Holden for eight months. Um, it's after Catching the Rye, it's after Holden Cuffield. Mm -hmm. um, and there were just elements of youth, cynicism, you know, um, poverty in a sense, um, that I felt sort of like, just made sense, mm -hmm. you know, just made sense. It was, it was the right name. And that's it. Um, yeah. You set out making, uh, first grapes were Pinot? Pinot, Pinot Blanc, and Chardonnay. Yep. And was that what you wanted to make, or was that what you could make? At that point in time, it was not about grape variety. It was about doing something for myself. Um, the identity of Italian grapes came out a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I think I'm going to move away from that, from, from that feeling, you know, uh, over the long term. Um, I think ultimately, um, you know, if we do this again in 10 years, like, it'll, it'll be fully about agriculture and food systems and less about um, Sauvignon Blanc made an M4, <laughs> you know? Sure. Like, it'll just be about, um, like, yeah, community, you know? Mm -hmm. That's ultimately my goal, is if, if we could have a vineyard out here and uh, grow enough food to support enough people and then have that be, you know, um, an exchange, like a, a, like a, you know, here's some wine, here's some food, give me some money. Or whatever, you know, like that's that's kind of the 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 long term goal. Tell me about how things changed for you then and for Holden when you came back from Italy, came back from Georgia, and you had this kind of revelation about wine, how it's changed for you. Yeah. How does it change what you're making, how you're making it, how you're kind of envisioning it? It changes the way that I've I think about things, right? Um, and I think about people more than I think about wine now. Um, and and that's that was really the big experience that, that after coming back from Georgia, mm -hmm. um, and I say coming back from Georgia, but really, it took me you know six months to to sort of decompress and to to have that unravel, mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's what I think about now. I think about people. I think about community, mm -hmm. um, and anybody can take a pH reading. You know what I mean? Like we do tartaric acid, like do a TA or run their lab panels at, you know, at Davidson's. Like that's, you know, once you realize what those numbers mean, they, they just become parameters or dimensions <laughs> or, you know, and, and um, they, they're important, you know, but um, that's sort of how I envision the future is over the next 10 years, I want to develop, you know, and have, have developed, but want to develop a community and, and, and use wine as just sort of this, this sort of common denominator of, 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 of being a part of, a, you know, a part of life, you know? Um, and that's, yeah, and that's, that's, that's the Georgian way, you know, wine's just a part of life. Um, and that's, that's how I think, how I see things.
you know. It's like music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that feeling reflected in the wine itself that you've made? How, is there something different about the style or about your approach to wine that you're, that you're envisioning it from more of a community perspective? I think that I've generally stopped thinking about what kind of flavors I want out of a wine, right? And I've started thinking more about just like the work and like, and just, you know, everything sort of being uh, an integral component within a system, right? And then, and then that system produces eventually. And that's, and that's kind of, you know, I, I, I couldn't care if I, if I get black fruit in a wine, you know what I mean? Or if I get like that, like weird, no, I, I, you know, I, I, I care about, it's, it's, it's weird, you know, it's, it's not about flavors in a sense. You know, like, and then so many, so many winemakers you experience and talk to, you know, that's, that's, you know, they want this flavor, they want that flavor. It's, that's not how it is. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's, you know, a general sense of working, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking about things, being proactive about how you, how you, how you envision things in your mind and, and, and keeping everything sort of, you know, at bay and, and, Understanding these things, um, but then, then realizing that that, that then there is their cultural implication, and that's, you know, you know, and I, I've never really had a full-time employee, and I feel like that will be the most powerful thing, you know, when I when I when I get to the point where I can, where I can support myself and somebody else's family, mm -hmm. that's going to be the most powerful thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be like, I'm in a 96 point Pinot Noir. You know, it's going to be about that. And, and mm -hmm. that's what I'm, those are the things that I'm looking forward to the most in, in mm -hmm. the next 10, 10, 20 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know? Tell me about, um, as you are making wine and you're, you're, you have wine, you have grapes from all these interesting and, and diverse vineyards. Tell me about sort of the balance of, of honoring the vineyard versus putting your own twist on wines. Obviously, we, we tasted wine with you before we started here today. Mm -hmm. Your wines are very unique and expressive. So tell me about that kind of like, what are you going for in wine? What is your kind of goal with the product itself? Do you want, is it about your your style? Is it about the vineyard itself? What's what's kind of the, the goal for the end product in the bottle? And, and like I was talking about before, um, I just work, right? <laughs> You know, and and um, and wine is an interesting thing, and I and I it's an, it's a direct analog with songwriting, and things like that 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 I can't express fully. Where it's like, you know, it could take somebody how long to write a song? It's a three minute quip, you know. Um, and so, ultimately, you just work on things, shoot for them, hope people like it. That's that's it, you know. Um, it's not about, I, you know. I'm and, and I'm, I'm different than other people. They want to have particular flavors in their Pinot Noir or, or whatever, and um, that's not me. Um, I just want to work towards creating a thing, hoping that it turns out well and that it's well received, and and that's it. You know. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, um, and I think that there's, 
you know, that, that, that sort of falls, um, you know, directly to like the natural farming thing and things like that, where it's like, you know, you, you want things to sort of take place as they are on their own, instead of forcing them to give, um, give them a specific purpose or, 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 or meaning that isn't maybe what it should be, you mm -hmm. know? So, yeah. You talked about things being well received. So tell me about that. Tell me about taking your wines to friends, to, to the market, to to sell, and, and the receptions you've gotten, and kind of how that's how that has how you how you, you've reacted to those reactions over the years. It's crazy, you know. Um, like we were talking about before, my 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 first cold call was this wine to my dear friend now, Joel, who shut me down so hard in 2000, and, I guess it was 2012, because it was 2011 Pinot. And now he's writing he, poems about Chardonnay, and he's, he's become one of my best friends. And, um, and so there's just, there's just no, there's no telling, mm -hmm. right? You just go out there. You just, you just have to do it, and you have to fight for it, right? And people are going to diss you. People are going to not like you. You know, you're going to develop enemies, and you're going to develop your best friends in the whole goddamn world. You know, um, and and that's just it's just real life. Like, and it's and it's been really positive, even though I've had I've had negative feedback, positive feedback, all of the things. Um, but ultimately you just, you, you experience so many people, you're like, whoa, you know, like, yeah, that person's an asshole, but he's buying a lot of wine from me, so I'm not going to call him an <laughs> asshole, you know, <laughs> you know? It's, and it's just, it's, that's part of life, and, and, um, whose feedback matters the most to you? Whose feedback matters the most to me? Where's Keller? <laughs> <laughs> um, Joel. Joel, my parents. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Scott Frank from Bone Arrow. Uh, we've been close friends for a long time. He's, he's always been sort of the person, I give him like two phone calls a year, dude, I'm freaking out. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the people that laid on thick, laid on hard, laid on real. Mm -hmm. Barnaby is, is, um, has always been somebody that I've looked up to uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, and the, those are people I talk to pretty, pretty often. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, people that just, give you the real shit, you know? And that's it. Mm -hmm. um, those are the people that, that I always look up to. When you get feedback from people whose opinion matters to you and, the, and their, opinion of, their opinion of something you've made is, is not good, it's something you, you did wrong or something that needs to be fixed, how do you go about implementing that? Or, or how much of that do you take to heart versus how much do you just kind of go forward with how you're going to do things? Do you, do you make a lot of alterations to, to, to for the next time you do something? No. You know, it, it, and I think that 
with advice or with, you know, with somebody else's wisdom, like you also have to channel the fact that they are ex experiencing their, they've experienced their own problems, you know? Um, and so, uh, no, I don't like, um, I don't like hear advice from somebody and be like, oh, this is what I need to do directly, you know? It's like, oh, it's like, you gave me this from your perspective, right, of your experiences, so I need to try and think about what your experiences have been like mm -hmm. to, to, then, to then turn around and offer me this particular set of advice and then, and then figure out a way to project that within uh, a way that makes sense for my, for my own self, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, um, so that's generally what I do, you know? Barnaby's like, you need to make reasoning. It's like, dude, I'm not gonna make reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> baby, baby, you know. Um, he, he told me I had to make reasoning. I don't even, I don't even right, make right, one. Right, so right, 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 right. That advice right. goes everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. So this, this. I don't know if it, that's too much circumlocution, but like, um, that's sort of how I I think about those things. It's like. Um, you know, you just experience people, and yeah, I don't know. Tell me about finding grapes and, and places to work with. What are you looking for in vineyards? What are you looking for in grapes? You know, I want, I want organic grapes, um, and I want interesting grape varietals. Um, it's a real pain in the ass, <laughs> you know? Um, and so sometimes you make sacrifices and pick up a, a site that's live certified as opposed to, opposed to organic, you know, um, which is fine. Um, and honestly, it's just like a, it's like a, a beat, you know, it's like a, it's, it's a rhythm. It's, you know, you find your first fruit and then you talk to one guy who's got the Vermentino, you talk to the other guy who's got the Barbera, you know, it's, it's like that. You mentioned when you got started, you were working in kind of a shared space. You obviously, you made some wine at Medici. Tell me about that kind of experience of being in a in kind of a small space with a lot of other winemakers as kind of your formative winemaking experiences. How, how does that work? How did, how did it help you? How did it hinder you as you were getting started? Yeah, I mean, new best friends that I wanted to punch in the face, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, uh, it's hard, and and you know, I think that you have a specific idea of what you what you want your wine to be like, right? So, like in an ideal world, I would have all punch-ins, and there'd be no sulfur, and and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but um, but when you work in a shared space, you know, you need you got to keep things clean, and and that means that you probably work with a little bit. Like I, I worked with a little bit more sulfur. Uh, working at Medici um, than I really wanted to um, because of, of, you know, because, you know, it's like four dudes, you know, and, and there's that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it sh it, the shared space is, is, it's ultimately, I mean, it's fine, you know. Um, but there were elements where it was like, I don't feel comfortable necessarily making like a Sansu wine, uh, you know? Um, 
Mm -hmm. Is that does that answer your question? Mm -hmm. Did you find that you were learning things from just being in that kind of vicinity with people, or did you find you're mostly kind of trying to do your own thing in your own space? It depended on the dynamic, you know. Um, I think that both, you know. Um, I think definitely both. You know, and it's 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 very interesting. You know, getting to know different personalities. Like some people are, they make wine, but they're super mechanically driven. Some people make wine, but they're super chemically driven. Some people make wine, but they're super socially driven. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just there's just a uh, there's so many different personalities and backgrounds and strengths and and um, and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. About transitioning here, we talked earlier about kind of your, your first first time bottling here and, and, and being stuck in the weather. So tell me about transitioning production here and what the what the advantages have been and, and maybe what the disadvantages have been. You know, it's just new. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a you know we have a winery there now, um, which is crazy. And it's if you want to call it a winery, you know, it's a winery, um, and. It's it's different challenges. It's you know, you know, I, I live here, you know, so I got to be like, dude, you got to get to work, <laughs> you know, like you got to get to work. I know it's your house, that's part of it, um, and just having that comfort of you know, not having to clock in, um, and you know, like I I don't have much farming experience. And I'm really starting to feel how much I need to to learn. Um, then I've done some, um, and I'm sort of obsessive by nature, and sort of just like um, thinking about how to plant things out here. It's you know the full realization this is going to be a ten-year project. You know. Mm -hmm. um, As you were, as you were coming up in the industry here in Oregon, what were some some of the places you worked and people you worked with? You mentioned obviously working with, with John Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, what were some of the places you worked and worked with that it kind of influenced you along the way? Number one is John Paul. <laughs> Number one is John Paul. Why is uh, that? White wine. White wine and. Fucking goddamn, he's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Paul, uh, Chad Stock has been really influential to me, um, just in terms of exploration of new ideas and, and things. Those are probably the two domestic people mm -hmm. that I think that I look up to the most and, and that have inspired me the most. Obviously, you went from starting with uh, kind of the stock Oregon varietals, Pinot, Pinot, Chardonnay. You still make some of those, but you also make a lot of other things now. Mm -hmm. And you talk about white wine as sort of your future and wanting to plant it here and right. make it. So tell me about the kind of evolution of that vision of, of obviously, uh, of what you want to make, how you want to make it. At what point do that do those start, do those start coming into line? What point do you think like, oh, I want to try this varietal, or oh, when I plant, I want to plant this way? What point did that become part of like the plan?
food is really the thing. You know, as my diet changed, <laughs> like the desire for different <laughs> wines changed. And I know that's like a weird thing to say, but like I, I you know, in in the kitchen, I, I, I cook with, you know, I use a lot of kimchi, I use a lot of rice vinegar, I use a lot of dinjong, miso, things of that nature. And that really sort of dr drove the exploration, uh, is driving the exploration of, 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 of different flavors, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, and that's kind of it, mm -hmm. you know. And I, 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 I try to keep things like, you keep your particular placeholders, like the, where you, where the place where you keep things simple, you know. Uh, and so the dining table, the dinner table, is really important to me. It's like anything we make here, anything we cook, you know, anything we, we're cooking, or or making wine. I want that to be reflective of. Mm -hmm. I want everything to be reflective on themselves. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. So I, I would like to, uh, I think ultimately here, I want, um, I, 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 don't, I don't wanna make like a reserve Pinot Noir. I want things to be reflective of the season and the foods that are coming out um, within, within the season. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, so when peas are ready, you know, you have in mind that like the wine you're releasing like, goes, goes good with peas, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, it's an interesting challenge. How do you approach something like that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I, in a, in a sense, I think that it that it maybe isn't a challenge. That it's just logical. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we released Pinot Blanc in spring. Perfect spring wine. You know. Vermentino in summer, a little bit of weight, you know, like those, those things, they, you know, those like small conscious decisions as you move through your work, hmm. um, they end up making sense, you know, um, hopefully. Right. Um, and that's sort of, sort of how I, how I think about things. So from your from your first cold call to Joel that didn't didn't go as planned to, to now, tell me about the evolution of the of the business side of things. Obviously not not the favorite thing to deal with, but obviously the most important part of keeping things rolling. So tell me about finding a market for your wine and, and finding finding customers, finding distribu distribution, finding places for your wine that fits. I am so fortunate. Um, you know, right now COVID is hard, and that was a really hard thing. Um, but I worked in restaurants um, in my 20s in Portland. And, you know, a lot of my friends were all wine buyers. And that was really, you know, um, the, the sort of launch pad for me to be able to, to get into other markets was that, you know, um, knew all the people, you know? Like, it was just a, a connection thing. and. You know, it sucks because there's people that are like out in the valley farming their own fruit, don't know any of those people, and they're busting their ass. And, and, and I was fortunate within that moment um, that, you know, I had been a part of that community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so the initial sales were hard and then easy. They were hard and then easy. And then there was some traction. And so I was able to get into other markets. I was able to get into New York and, and Louisiana and California and Washington. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a crazy business. Cash flow is one of the hardest things in the world with this business. Um, but what, yeah. What did what did you find was the traction? What was what was what were people responding to from you, from your wine? I think it was white wine, to begin with. That was my. It's always been my my biggest passion, in school. And also in, pr in production, white wine making. So speaking of uh, production and, and all that, we obviously we're, your labels are, are unique and, and, mm -hmm. and obviously a big part of the package here. So tell me about your label designs and your collaborative work on them. Like, and, and kind of how, how we were discussing before and, and the evolution of, of the winery, you know, it's like sometimes people would be like, oh, that's a cool label, right? Oh, that's rad, dude. And it's like, I just think about Moran, I think about Joel, I think about Tyler. You know, I think about the people that I've worked with that have become really close friends, um, you know, from this winery. Um, and that's the, that's the most important thing, you know. It's, it just is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I'm fortunate because Icho Murad is, he's awesome. He's, he's great. And, um, and he's done most of my labels. Mm -hmm. And we met at a bar in 2000, and probably, probably met 2009, you know? And I just started um, the winery, and I was like, hey, dude, I really like your artwork. Can I trade you a case of wine, you know, um, to use one of your pieces, which is this one. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, sure, dude, whatever. Cool. <laughs> you know, and we've just always had a rap, you know, he did, he did this, hung out a couple weeks ago. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I do sort of think that it's very easy to look at things and be like, oh, that's a cool label or, or whatever. From my perspective, it's become less about the cool labels and more about the, the friendships that have, that have. <laughs> that I've made with those people, mm -hmm. so, you know? It's like, you do art, I make wine, we're good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> we should get together. Yeah, we should hang out. When it comes yeah. to the labels, are you giving a lot of, is it, are you just saying, I have this wine, I need a label for it? Are you, are you, t is it, does he taste the wine? Do you tell him what you want on the label, is it? We, t we, we talk about it. It's, I'm usually like, uh, so like for this one, I was like so in love with this one girl. <laughs> a while ago but I was like I want to do a, a label based on like love right and just kind of like told him that and he just ran with it <laughs> and he's he's one of those like six sense people where you know you give him like three sentences and and he reads your mind and and um, and comes up with something that's really cool mm -hmm. you know what do you see? Is that something? Is that, like, is that something you see as being part of 
the brand going forward that we want to continue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. You mentioned Joel and Tyler and their contributions too. So you said Joel did the your Chardonnay poem on the back of your label, mm -hmm. and Tyler helped with labels too. Uh, do you have other people that you want to work with, other people that you've thought about working with? I'm working with a guy right now um, who's doing another poem um, about Chardonnay, um, and he's a great poet. And you know, it, and it, and it comes back to the cultural side of things, where you know. We've just kind of had discussions where it's like, cool, what if in like five years, you know, we've got five, five or six people that have written poems about Chardonnay and we can get them published in Savoir, we can be published in a, you know, in a magazine and, and, and just really drive that, that, that cultural connection, um, you know, and, and, and intertwine things, make things weird, you know. Yeah. So as you're presenting wine to consumers, label, wine, all, mm -hmm. what do you hope the takeaway is? What do you want them to get from your wine from your, and from your presentation? I mean, I, I stopped taking myself out of the equation quite a few, a, a few years ago. Um, now I hope they, they take the wine home and whoever they're drinking with they continue their love or they fall in new love or they hang out with their friends and they have laughter you know mm -hmm. like that's that's all that I want you know at this point I couldn't give a shit if, really people like the wines you know <laughs> it's like please I mean I hope you like the wines but but really like I I, I, I want you to be enjoying them in in, in a company um, that that uh, is with somebody you care about, or develop new friendships, or or things like that. That's that's become the most important thing. Sid, so you you stopped taking yourself out of the equation. Tell me about that. You you used to take yourself out of the equation when it came to the wine. I used to be like, I made this. Mm -hmm. Look at this Nebbiolo I made. It's pretty good, right? <laughs> and now it's like. Yes, I did. I mean, I, I made it, but like, like there's there's not um, an association with with ego or attachment or, or, or you know, like that that's just not there anymore. Um, um, it's more it's more excited that you know somebody will buy this thing that I made, you know, and have have dinner with their family, you know? And maybe they're a musician and maybe I buy an album that they made. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that's, that's, and, and I, then I listen to that while I'm, I'm falling in love with a, with, a, with a person or whatever, you know? That's, that's the, the headspace that, that I've been in for, for a little while, mm -hmm. you know? Obviously, uh, obviously, music's a, a, similar, a fellow passion of yours. Clearly, yeah, yeah, Tell yeah. me about the interaction between music and wine, and in your in your world, how how do they interact? And you've mentioned a lot of sort of similarities. Do they feed each other in the way you the way you approach it? I think that the, 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 it's I, I play music and I have for my whole life, and um, um, I just think that they're very similar. You know, they're very similar kind of crafts. It's you know, you have a glass of wine, you listen to a song, like. 
You know, it's something that like only takes, you know, four minutes or ten minutes or whatever, how long it takes you to drink a glass of wine. <laughs> but, uh, um, and I do, I, I, I do sort of look at, you know, like theory and, and things being different, um, you know, and like dissonance and this, all those things that you can learn, you know, from music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and cadence as well and, and how that can apply to wine, you know, because it's just so direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like classical music is a big thing for me. Debussy is, is really is my favorite composer. And I was, I'm like, if I can make wine, like Debussy wrote music, I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> Would you know that if you if it happened? No, no, no. Not unless Tyler told me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But that's that's and that's where he comes into the broad motions of work and 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 you know uh, how you work ends up defining that particular sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, I'm, I'm curious how you sort of, how you see yourself fitting into the Oregon wine industry. What, 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 in, in the larger industry, what, what role do you play? I don't know and I don't really care. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't care if I don't fit into the Oregon wine industry. Um, that's fine too. Um, 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 I'm just going to do my thing, you know? That's really it, you know? Um, like, and I don't mean that in a selfish way, and I mean, I mean that in a, in, a, in a way that's like, you have ideas, you, you put them in, in, into motion, and, and you just do that, you know? Um, Mm-hmm. 36 I've never fit in ever you know so um, so maybe so maybe I won't fit into the organ wine industry and that's fine um, you know there's the industry component of things too you know uh, which hard yeah mm-hmm I'm not sweating it. You know, wine is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people it's it's product. For some people it's emotional. For some people it's emotional product. You know, it's like, <laughs> and, and and so that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know. So as 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 far as your kind of vision of of Oregon wine, what have you seen change around you since you've been part of it? What, what's different about the industry now versus when you entered it? I think that there's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing that are starting wineries, and I and I can't fault them for it because that was definitely me <laughs> when I started. <laughs> um, and 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 it's actually really cool, but it's also really it's, it's an easy thing to hate on, but it's a really cool movement at the same time, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like 
you have people that are like so passionate about like Beaujolais or or the Loire. They're like, I gotta make these wines, you know, you know, in Oregon and 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 you know, I'm from the United States, and so like this is the only place I can go because it's cool climate, you know. And and I think that we're at the beginning of we're a little further into the beginning. I think in ten years there's, there's going to be a significantly different landscape, mm-hmm. um, and. And all of that, like new energy, you know, as people figure things out, as people learn and they grow, um, uh, it's it's going to change things, you know, absolutely, you know. I I'm sure that while Pinot might be the the dominating factor still, like there's going to be so much more variety and so much so much more going on, you know. But it's exciting to look forward to, you know. Because I, I really don't see that happening anywhere else in, in the world right now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's definitely a vortex here. Did you ever think about making wine somewhere else instead? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, I fantasize about living in Europe. You know, it's so, so, so cost prohibitive, inhibitive there, and and. Um, uh, I've, I've thought about it. I loved Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I, I would, but I kind of the way I look at it now is like, keep this going and then maybe I'll do a Holden East. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but it would be interesting to explore Asia. I know nothing about, about China or Japan and, and the wines they make there, but... In terms of farming philosophy, um, I think there's probably a lot that could be directly, uh, you know, applied. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what kind of wines could come out of the area. I mean, China's so huge. You know, there's areas that have great soil types, mm-hmm. or you know, you know, whatever. So tell me about, you mentioned, uh, obviously, COVID. Uh, we're in the middle of, of the pandemic now and, mm-hmm. not, and sort of uncertain about what's happening next. So tell me about how it's affected you, mostly from a wine sense, but in, in any way it's affected you and, and kind of how you see the future with it uh, as we come out of it. What it's do you a see, full reset, ahead? you know? I might process maybe two tons this year, you know? Um, and... Yeah, I mean, my ninety-five percent of my business was was Portland restaurants, ninety mm-hmm. percent, you know, mm-hmm. and they all closed, and all my friends lost their job, and we're all in it together, you know, and um, so yeah, I mean, that's that, you know, that's all, that's just all you can do. Mm-hmm. So this next year is going to be all about rebuilding. It's going to be all about, you know working with distributors, working with your friends, and, and, and getting back to the point where we were before. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody's kind of there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Are you gonna, is there anything going to change for your business model going forward? Or are you going to try to get back to that point where you're mostly in restaurants again? Or are you trying something different? Right. So, like, I don't know if this is, like, like the correct way to do things. <laughs> You know, it's like how I preface like basically everything I do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, really, like I, 
most of my business has always just been about building relationships with people, mm -hmm. right? So I'm just going to continue relationships and can continue building those relationships mm -hmm. uh, and, and finding new relationships. And, you know, whatever that means, like, you know, maybe, like, I know some wineries are like, this is, these are, this is the percentage of our sales that are DTC. This is the percentage of our sales that are FOB. This is the percentage of our sales that are direct wholesale. And that's not, that's, that's not how I've ever been. Um, you know, maybe if, if if we get bigger in five years and that becomes a, a, a forced reality, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But the way I do things right now, I just show up with a bottle of wine, go to restaurants. You know what I mean? Hey, ma hey, man, what's up, dude? <laughs> you know, and and that's it. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's pretty much just me. My dad helps out a lot, mm -hmm. and so that's where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like developing like a DTC market or like a, or a, you know, all the things that normal wineries do, <laughs> it's just not a reality yet, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but when we get there, we'll figure out our own way to do it. Sort of like the Lebowski approach to selling wine at this point, just sort of show up with it and yeah. kind of go. Yeah, I like it. And, and, you know, I mean, it's nice. You know, I, I, I really like I really like going on sales calls now with people that I've I've developed really long term relationships with. You end up knowing, you know, the whole front of the house staff, you end up knowing the back of the house staff. You you go in and taste them on the wines and it's not just like going in just to go see the buyer or whatever, it's like going to go see your friends. You know, it's 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 powerful. And um, and that's something that's important to me. Mm -hmm. I want to back up for a second before I ask my, I have a, just a couple questions left, but yep. I want to back up for a second. I'm, I'm curious, you're, you're, you're obviously, you mentioned your first cold call did, didn't go well. Was there a moment when you thought, Joel. <laughs> silly Joel, Joel. Uh, was, there, was there a moment when you thought, like, not, not to say, I've arrived, or this is going to work, or I can do this. Like, was there, a, was there a sale you made? Was there a relationship you built? Was there a time when you thought, I can sell wine. I can I can make this business work. Was there a moment for you that kind of turned the turned the table for you? Not a moment. It's every day. Right? Mm -hmm. It's You know, I thought I was going to go broke and woken up to a $10,000 order. You know? Um uh yeah. Um, so it's no, it's every day. Um I'm fortunate with the people that I've worked with, you know, like I'm with amazing distributors, people that I would have never thought, people, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess those are sort of the moments where I'm like, oh, sweet, I'm with like Amy Atwood in California, you know, like I've heard of her before um, and she's great, mm -hmm. she's a really re well-respected producer or distributor, or like I got to have dinner with uh, Eric Asimov. And, and a few other producers and okay cool like this this will work eventually you know mm -hmm. but it's not like check working <laughs> you know what i mean cool, cool. like you know it's, it's just sort of it's every day mm -hmm. um, yeah as you look ahead for this site you talked a little bit about kind of your vision for the future here mm -hmm. tell me about uh kind of logistics what what do you want to plant when how much where, as you, as you kind of look ahead to the vineyard, the vineyard part of things here specifically. Yeah, um, so I want to have 
um, a little bit off the beaten. I say off the beaten path. It's 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 they're off the beaten path varietals for 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 the mainstream America, but not within the particular places where they're from. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I really want to have Petit Arvine, Corolon, um, uh, Scava, uh, Cavanesca. Um, you know, I have to work within the parameters of this being a cooler site. Um, so things like that. Poussard, I'd love to have it here. Jack Kerr, mm -hmm. um, um, I would, you know, I'm, I'm just going to encourage biodiversity. Um, I would have a thousand grape varieties out here, you know, mm -hmm. and that would be fine. And I would, you know, I would make one wine from it. <laughs> That'd be fine too. <laughs> um, no, but I, uh, Ultimately, the goal here is within the next, hopefully, four years, um, have animals uh, and to farm produce and to have that sort of logically make sense with the wines that are released at the same time, mm -hmm. even if it's only what we eat here, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, to have that sort of, you know, that little quanta at least mm. represent that. Mm -hmm. How did you find this site? Years of looking for, you know, finally found a place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about it was, why was why the space? What, what about it was what you wanted? We could afford it. <laughs> That's a big part of it. <laughs> you know, there's a, a lot of dory soil and marine sediment, sedimentary soil. Um, I've always been interested in this area. Um, you know, it's sort of with climate change as well. Uh, and wanting to make cooler climate grape varietals. I, I wasn't interested in the, in one, not interested, two, couldn't afford the Dundee Hills or, or Ribbon Ridge or anything like mm -hmm. that. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Mm -hmm. So our, our, our plan is to, you know, I, wa I want to do my majority whites out here. I think it's going to be good white producing region. What about finding a market for varietals that people have never heard of before? Like you it's say, easy. Off, off, is it really? Yeah. It's easier than making Pinot, or than selling Pinot. You know, like any, anything weird or off the beaten path that I've made is easy sell. Any sort of higher end Pinot is harder. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I imagine that, you know, I say easy, but easy up until you make 500 cases of that wine, and then when you want to make 3,000 cases of a wine, the dynamic shifts. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, I think that at, at this point in Oregon, there needs to be so many more grape varieties and there's such an opportunity for being the, you know, I, I just look at, I was raised in Eugene and I look at going to the farmer's market with my mom every Saturday. You know, and Eugene, and that's and, that, and that's Oregon culture, right? And uh, and that you know applied to winemaking, I think, is really uh, the biggest opportunity that we have is to is to is to represent you know the the natural and the na I won't even go into natural winemaking, but like, but that that side of things, the organic side of things, the the the, the smaller producer. You know, that's always what Oregon has had, mm -hmm. you know, sort of as its trump card. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think that that's, 
that's really where our marketing should be set in is in playing that 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 side of, of mm -hmm. sustainable agriculture and things like that is, is, a, is a stronger argument than a particular grape varietal, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's and that's what I hope happens in the future, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's all, all the questions that I have for you. Is cool. there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Is there anything we didn't talk about that we should have talked about? I don't. I don't think so. Well, thank mm -hmm. you so yeah, much for the hospitality, for, for the sure. interview, for the interesting, interesting and, and, and unique perspective. And we'll go ahead and let you off the hook. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all our supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have helped make our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you from the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University. With a very special thank you to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.